0: there might be a point in your career when you realize that there aren't external answers to the questions you're asking. Learning is different than internal knowing and internal growth. I think one of the things that masterminds help teach is here's the container, here's the structure for you to get to know yourself better.
1: What would we do without the internet? I mean, really, I have access to a global library of information and ideas in my pocket at all times. If I have a question, I can typically find an answer in less than 60 seconds. How about online learning? If I want to learn a new skill, there's probably a YouTube video or a creative live class or an ebook that will teach me what I need to know. It's probably impossible to quantify the amount of new skills I've picked up thanks to the internet. And how about the people that the internet brings together? You know, I love online communities, social networks, and just finding random connections between humans I would not have otherwise met. The internet gives me access to people all over the world. Information, ideas, learning new skills, meeting new people and connecting with old friends. The internet with all its faults and foibles can be an incredible place for support as a business owner. But at some point, Learning new information, acquiring new skills, and even meeting new people starts to come up short. At some point, as my guest today says, you realize that there aren't external answers to internal questions. You realize that beyond access to the world's information and citizens, you need access to yourself, your own inner knowing. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that digs deep into what's really working to run and grow a small business today, from how we market and manage to how we prime our mindsets for success. One way I've gotten access to myself, my own inner knowing and decision-making is through mastermind groups. Last year, at an in-person gathering of one of the masterminds that we run at What Works, one participant told me that they didn't really need anyone to tell them what to do with their business. They knew exactly what they should be doing. Instead, they said, they needed people to ask them why they weren't doing it. That's why they were in the mastermind group. And to me, that's the perfect illustration of how a mastermind group can support business owners who are committed to not just learning a new marketing skill or figuring out how to launch a new product, but to becoming a more whole entrepreneur and building a business that works exceptionally well. I've been running mastermind groups of one sort or another for about five years, and I have a lot to say on the subject, but I didn't want you to just get my thoughts. So I invited someone equally as passionate about masterminding as I am, Sarah K. Peck, the founder of Startup Pregnant. Sarah was on the show before talking about how the Startup Pregnant podcast got started, but the whole business and community of Startup Pregnant has evolved and grown a ton since then. You can check out episode 134 for our original conversation. Today, Sarah and I are jamming about masterminding, how we participate in masterminds, how we facilitate masterminds, and how we leverage them in our businesses. We also talk about the role masterminding plays in how you get support as an entrepreneur, and we talk through how we structure sessions for the best outcomes. Now, let's find out what works for Sarah Peck. Sarah Peck, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Excellent. So we are talking masterminds, and uh, we were just both saying before we hit record that this is a subject that we could talk a lot about. It is a subject, I think, that where there is just so much variety in experience and philosophy and operations, and we're going to dig into all of it today. Uh, but before we get to sort of how masterminds operate in your life and business, I wanted to sort of start at the beginning and ask you about your first mastermind experience. How did you, what was your first mastermind experience? How did you learn about masterminding and kind of what did it do for you at the beginning?
0: Oh my God, this is such a good question. I love it because uh, it's hard to actually pinpoint the first one because there were so many things in my life that looked like it. So I, I used to live in San Francisco. I lived there for a while and while I was there, I started a group called Walk and Talk. And so I'd invite 16 people on a walk with me, and I would give them, being the dork that I am, I would give them a signed reading before, and we would talk about a subject. So one of the subjects we talked about was like loneliness. Sometimes we talked about entrepreneurship. Sometimes we talked about business. But we would take a a two-and-a-half-hour walk together and talk about a specific topic, And, and I loved it. And then after that, I started hosting retreats for people to come together. And this evolution of gathering, gathering people for walks, gathering people for retreats, for dinner parties, slowly turned into finding more formalized ways of organizing us together. Um, But I didn't know that anything like that was, I didn't even know what the word mastermind was at first. And even today, I'm still a little bit like, what does the word mastermind mean? It sounds so fancy and like formal, Uh, but now, you know, 15 years later, 10, 15 years later, I've been running them for five or six years and I love them. Yeah,
1: same, same, same. And I'm really glad that you brought up that there were all these experiences that you had that kind of looked and felt like what you you and I might know to be a mastermind type experience now, um, but that they didn't necessarily have that name because as you're talking, I'm thinking about, oh yeah, that that is my situation exactly as well. Um, I think specifically of all the sort of like little spontaneous gatherings that I would find myself in on the side of conferences specifically. So like when, yeah. So when I started traveling to conferences a lot, I would, there would be these little groups that would form, you know, we'd sit together in the sessions, but then more importantly, uh, you know, we'd go for drinks afterwards or we'd have lunch together or we'd get coffee in the morning. And those kinds of conversations sitting at a table with, you know, maybe five or six, maybe up to 10 or 12 different people who have different experiences, different points of view, and just finding out what they were doing was such a hugely valuable part of the beginning of me really kind of leveling up as as a business owner. And also, I think, as a human being, too. Like I can think of all the the decisions that I've made, personal decisions, life decisions that I've made, that have kind of come out of those conversations that I may not have otherwise made, or would have taken me a lot longer had I not had those conversations in those kind of groups uh, with those kinds of people. But the first mastermind experience that I ever had, uh, and I just made air quotes for the people who are <laughs> listening to this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which is everyone um was with uh Vanessa Van Edwards she was really the one who introduced me to um to to masterminding and i met her i guess did i originally meet her I don't remember how I originally met Vanessa. That's crazy. It had to have been out of some Portland event. It probably happened through um like World Domination Summit or something like that. So it was probably out of one of these other groups. Um got to know her a little bit more through Creative Live and she invited me into uh one of the groups that she was putting together because at least at the time she had multiple groups, um, just of colleagues, friends, uh, people that she was bringing together so that she could learn from them and that we could learn from everybody else in the group. Um, and it was a great experience. And I think I did that. I think I've worked with that group for probably about a year. Um, but it was a great way of just kind of dipping my toes into hearing what other people were up to and, uh, thinking through how I needed support too, because yes. that was something that was new to me. Um, so what actually, let me back up. I also love that you use the word gathering. And it made me wonder if you've read the book, The Art of Gathering.
0: I have. I love that book. I yeah. li- we are- the first book in our mastermind book club last year so it was the first book i had all my people wow yeah we read the art of gathering because i want i always want to kick off with um asking people to explore what does it mean to come together as a group like Mm -hmm. what are we creating together on this journey so we have a book this year we read tell me more as the first book okay um I don't know if you've read that, like t- Kelly Corrigan. Oh, it's amazing! It's all these phrases you can use to have better conversations with people. Oh, I need that in my life. It's good. It's good. Um, wait, I want to say, you you mentioned so many things in that. Like, first of all, a small world. Vanessa Van Edwards is amazing. Yeah. Um, and conferences, right? Like, uh, but this. I think a mastermind occupies the space where you – you know when you have like a little brain crush on someone and you think like I want to be friends with you and then also I want to pick your brain and I don't want to ask you either of those things. Like I don't want (laughs) to – I don't know how to (laughs) – I don't know how to be – I know that it's taboo to say can I pick your brain and I also like I feel really vulnerable being like I think we should be friends. Although I have said that to people. I'm like I think we should be friends. But you know there's this quality of a peer – where you admire them, you think they're smart, you think they're interested in similar things to you, you think they'd be really good at creatively solving your problems, but also you want to have those conversations with them because you are part of the conversation. You also have things to offer and say. And and for me, I think part of, part of my exploration and my journey to masterminding was in realizing that I think when you're in your 20s, there's this idea that you need a mentor or an advisor, right? Mm-hmm. Like We're hungry for those things. We're like, who do we find that can help? And we forget to look at our peers and who else is like next to us on the journey, learning alongside us and who we can learn from. And I don't know, I find it tremendously difficult to find mentors and advisors. It's so much easier for me to find peers and to develop relationships. And masterminds have been one of the ways that I've been able to do that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I love that. And um, one of the things that I, it kind of a little question in my mind while you were explaining that was that it feels like approaching that kind of relationship requires a certain confidence in your own self-worth, like your own ability to bring something to the table. And it, to me, it feels like that's one of the big objections uh maybe unspoken objections to putting together a mastermind group joining a mastermind group even paying for a mastermind group is is
0: what do i have to bring to the table have you wrestled with that at all for yourself oh, that's really interesting you know i think i think that it's it's really important to find people who are at the same level as you are and it doesn't. I don't think there needs to be any level that's wrong,
1: uh, mm-hmm. but you
0: do want to find peer to peer groups. And if you don't want, if you don't have something to offer, or you feel like you don't, you haven't learned yet, then then you're in the learning phase, I feel like. Then you want to go find a business coach or mm. somebody who can teach you or an online course. But you, you can also say, hey, I really want to learn, pick anything, right? I want to learn piano and I want to be with a bunch of beginner piano players. or I want to learn chess. And I. you wouldn't go to a grand chess master and be like, can you teach me and I'll play against you? No. You'd be like, <laughs> you'd be like, I'm learning. Like, does anyone want to learn with me? Because that's yeah. what a mastermind is. Like it, it, to me it's about a community that comes together to grow together.
1: Yes, that's beautiful. Well, and that was going to be my next question too, <laughs> is how do you define a mastermind today? So you've just done that. Um I would say that my definition would be the same. I mean, I think you put it so well that it it is it is. It's about coming together to grow together. Um and it reminds me as well about um The episode that we did, it's about, well, let's see, it'll be about nine weeks old, I think, when this comes out with uh, Gina Bianchini from Mighty Networks. Um, And she talks about how one of the things they've really learned about uh, these communities, these networks that they're building, is that one of the greatest motivations behind people joining a network like that is that they're trying to, they want to be connected to people who are trying to accomplish the same things. Yes. And, that is, that's, that's huge. And I think it to me, it's something I feel like even in my gut like, yes, I want to be a part of groups of people. I want, to have be in relationship with people who are growing with me toward this this kind of central goal, and even if that goal doesn't look the same for all of us, there's something that's joining it all together. If that makes sense,
0: a hundred percent. And and I I think there's a quote by Kurt Vonnegut that I just love. Um, he talks about how like most of our marital problems, most of our loneliness, depression, like so many of our even he doesn't say this, but I would add, like, even our boredom, right? Even our lethargy is often a function of not having enough people in our lives. Mm. And it's not I mean, I live in New York City, and we get on the subway regularly. It's not like having throngs of people crowding around you. But uh, he says you need at least 50 people in your life on a regular basis. And I don't think most of us have that. I think most of us are way more isolated. And and so like, to me one of the compelling things about masterminds and groups i mean is is the people that we get to be a part of because and and to journey with because if you think about your favorite experiences in your lifetime and the most memorable things we've ever done for many people it's our sporting groups our mm-hmm. colleges our experiences our vacations the conferences we go to, it's an event, it's the gym that we belong to. And it's not the fact that the gym has like metal equipment and a climbing wall. It's the fact that there are people who do that thing together with us. And we are growing as people alongside other people.
1: Yeah, that honestly, is the thing that I so we're recording this in the weirds during <laughs> during lockdown. Hopefully, maybe some people will be let out of their homes by the time this airs. Um, not holding my breath on that one. Uh, but that is the number one thing that I am missing right now. Uh, my life looks largely the way it has for many, many, many years other than, you know, going out to eat. And it's like, you know, eating at home is pretty great. Um, But what I really miss is the group of people that I climb with at the gym in the evenings. And they are a group of people who have essentially masterminded our way into climbing and climbing better and better and better and feeling a- at ease with it and feeling strong and feeling powerful. And there is such camaraderie. You're right in that sport in, well, in all sports. But for me, like I've felt such camaraderie in that sport in a new way, in a different way, and certainly for the first time in my adult life. And that's the thing that I miss right now. I miss those, those people, those relationships, and the way we grow together. So I think that's such a great point. Um, I'm curious... I, I want to get into kind of the business side of things eventually. So I want to let people know that that's coming. But I'm also curious about your experience within these groups, um, not as a host, not as a facilitator, or if you are hosting and facilitating more on that peer level uh, than we are necessarily when we are the organizer and people are paying us for these mastermind experiences. Um, And to go back to this question of like, what do I have to bring to the table? I think another, like the reverse of that question is how do I know what to ask for? How do I know how to get support in these groups? So I'm curious for you, What's your process for figuring out what you are going to bring to the table in terms of a challenge or an idea or a question uh, that you're going to ask for support with in, in, in a gathering like this?
0: Ooh, that's such a good question. And and for context, I'll say that uh, I have run my own masterminds for free for many, many years. Um, and I run them, most of the time I run them because I want to be around other people. So I tend mm-hmm. to be the instigator of things like this. I tend to say, I like you. I like you. You're interesting. Like I tend to draw people together that I want to be around and say, hey, do you want to be in a mastermind together for six months or 12 months? I would love to. And some people are like, no there's no way I'm planning my wedding. I'm completely booked. You know, there's all sorts of different reasons, but I love assembling groups and I'm still in them now, uh, Mm -hmm. in peer to peer mastermind groups. And then I also have run them in my business. So I have four pay people pay me to be the facilitator and the organizer. And I ran it for a number of years under my website, Sarah And then I niched it down even further. And I started creating masterminds for Startup Pregnant, my company that focuses on women entrepreneurs. And it's amazing. We have 28 people in the group this year. So and and this one, yeah, with 28 people journeying together for a year. um, And the prices are higher than I've done before, which is really cool. And there's three different price points. So when I'm talking about this, I just wanted to kind of lay that out for everyone listening, that I can talk to the the me joining a mastermind and me paying for other people's masterminds, me facilitating ones for free, and then running it as part of my like a big arm of my business. So the question you asked was about like, how do you know whether or not you have something to offer or to bring Uh, to the table? No, in uh, the flip of that, how do you know what
1: uh, you want support on from the group? And how do you go about like, finding the
0: will to ask for help. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's really interesting to me. I think a lot of times people come assuming that the business puzzle is going to be the thing that they do or the productivity Mm. puzzle is the thing that they're going to do. Like, this is the thing that I need help on. And then when upon closer examination, we see that that's actually the thing in their life that has the most scaffolding and support, right? Ah, they mm-hmm. show up every day to their jobs. They have a boss or a colleague. They have a co-founder, right? And and at the end of the day, those things find a way to get done. Like when you have deadlines, they find a way to get done. But the things that aren't happening in your life, the thing that you have always longed for or you want, the transformation, something that's itching at you, you know, people who say, I want to – I want to start writing on the side and I need some more accountability for that. Or I have a side business project, but no customers, no clients, and and no idea whether or not I should do it. Or I'm thinking about leaving my job, but I keep spending too much time at my job. Mm-hmm. Those are the questions where especially having a group of people that aren't in your field or your like work, they aren't your colleagues and they aren't your spouse or your partner or your bar friends, right? That can really talk and talk objectively with you about it and brainstorm with you and expand the scope of what you're seeing. I think that can be where it's the real magic happens. I
1: love that. Um, And I find for myself that just kind of reflecting on the groups that I do facilitate, that that is often the place where people find, the most support and the maybe the most surprising results too is like they think they came in to do one thing. They thought they were going to ask for help on one thing and it ends up turning into uh, a deep dive into something else that maybe feels really uncomfortable or scary, but that um, has the power to really transform their experience, which is incredible. Um, for me, being in a group this is this is my number one problem is like being willing to ask for help and being willing to even look objectively at what I've got going on and think through well, how you know what how do i how do I even bring this to the group in a way that is going to give me results? Um, and what I'll say is that I have learned. That being way more vulnerable than I'm comfortable with, (laughs) it's really been the ticket to getting the help that I need. And I see it with our, you know, mastermind members too. Is like when they're willing to just be like, "All right, I don't want to talk about this, but I'm going to." Or this is going to make me look bad, but I I need to talk about this. Or I think this is the thing I'm supposed to be talking about that's when really cool stuff happens. And I will also say too that I think um, I'm always looking for the problem that the group can help me solve. And uh, most of the time, the group's not really helping me solve problem, they're helping me process the problem and I come up with the solution for it. So yes, yeah, yes. yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Like I get their experience. I get their wisdom. I get their advice. I get their expertise. But at the end of the day, I'm not actually there for their answers. I'm there for the experience of processing it, which as an internal processor is is really challenging and exhausting to me. Um, but it's very, very worth it. So I would love to hear what you have to say about that because you had a very enthusiastic response. <laughs> <It's like
0: laughs> giving you all these thumbs up, I was like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I'm super fascinated because you said it's it's hard to, like you have a hard time being vulnerable about the deeper problem. Can you, do you mind if I ask you, like no. why do you think that is? Okay.
1: Um. I mean, I am so often in a position where, well, for, so for one being, my identity is wrapped up around being the smart one who doesn't have problems, right. Who has Mm -hmm. everything figured out. Um, and, and I think if you're going to be a part of a mastermind group or any kind of masterminding experience in a productive way, you have to be willing to let that identity go, or you're not going to get any, it's just not going to be worth your time or money or, you know, whatever you're investing in it. Um, I also like, I'm also the kind of person, like I said, I'm an internal processor. So I, I'm the kind of person who wants to have an answer before I bring up the problem. And so I'm trying to, my processing internally is me trying to arrive at the set of not trying to, I often do, right. I'm arriving at a set of potential solutions um and then by the time i've gotten there i'm like well i don't really need the group's help the problem with that is i needed the group's help before i processed that all and came up with potential solutions because i have necessarily limited my perspective on how i could solve this problem or how i could move toward this goal differently or you know whatever it might be um or just like experience things differently mm-hmm. um and then i feel like there's a third piece of it which is just that there's sort of like a piece where I don't identify problems as finite things that I can bring to a group in a session or a you know a call or whatever we're gonna call it. Um, I, my problems or my challenges seem to be things that are ongoing. And so it's hard to kind of put a container around them in a way that I can start a conversation with the group or present them to a group, the group in a more concrete way. Um, and I think that's something that over time I have definitely gotten better at. It's still very challenging, but I can, Look at what an ongoing problem is. Create a container for it uh, that allows me to talk through it at least on one level, and know that that's better than not talking about it at all.
0: Mm. Oh my god, this is so interesting! And like, (laughs) I want to now. I just want to ask you so many more questions about this. But (laughs) I'm gonna. I I think I think for people listening, like one of the things that's coming up for me so strongly is like we're hungry for conversation, Mm -hmm. but we aren't good at it. Like we have not been Mm -hmm. taught to have thoughtful, productive, open-ended, unfinished conversations. Conversations where we aren't seeking to quickly solve a problem instantly and and smother each other with advice. And so uh, one of the processes that I use in my masterminds, uh, we have a hot seat session and we – People listening, we're not doing this in our current mastermind. So this is one of my older masterminds that's not really relevant to people listening. But um, we, one of the formats that we use is the hot seat. And when we put someone in the hot seat, we have 45 minutes for them. And we ask them to share their puzzle, what it is that they're working on, what it is that they, they want. And I ask them to give some thought about it beforehand, like what's something coming up for you in your life, but you don't have to have an answer. You don't have to have solved it yet. So Mm -hmm. it's so interesting what you're saying because this is the challenge, right? Uh, And it's really interesting to watch what people come with. Because one of the, for example, somebody came last year and they said, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out whether or not we're going to have a third kid. Mm. And my partner and I are on different pages and I want to, I don't, I haven't figured this out. I don't – I just keep ruminating over and over and over again in my head and it affects everything I do in my business because it's going to affect how we start trying and what we do and how much money we save and, you know, when and if and we go on leave and if they take leave and if they keep their job and our health insurance, right? Like these questions aren't unrelated to business at all. Yeah, totally. And so, so – They come, and I say, okay, so you're in the hot seat, and the only thing you're allowed to do, members of the council, the only thing you're allowed to do is ask questions. There is zero advice allowed to be given. You cannot give any advice. The only thing you can do – and our goal at the end of 45 minutes is not to arrive at a solution, but our goal is to have a better question. A better understanding of what is the question. Because I think arguably most people don't even know what questions they're asking with their lives. And we circle over really superficial stuff and we don't even know what our hearts want. And so, in doing this for each person in the mastermind, by the end of 45 minutes, it's the way you feel at a conference when you're like exploding ready to talk to other people. Like you're just, you just want to talk about everything. People are so hungry to talk after this. They're like, oh my God. I know I know what you're going through. I understand. It's that moment of understanding another human being that I think is one of the most essential pieces of being in connection and community with each other and we skip right by it because we don't ask each other questions. Yeah.
1: Yes, we also have a no advice rule, our, our, yeah, our whole community is based around no advice. It's, you can share your experience, you can share your expertise in relation to what you do with clients or what you do with customers, but not from advice. And you can share observations. So what I've seen work is, or I have seen someone who in what sounds like your position, do this thing, here's how it turned out. Um, But I love just not even being able to make statements at all. And oh, only asking questions. And I think even more importantly than the rule that you can only ask questions is that the goal is to have a better question
0: at the end of it. That yeah. is freaking genius.
1: It's, I it's, love
0: that. I It is one of my favorite things. It's a very Socratic method towards like mm-hmm. just questioning and asking because 45 minutes is not that long. But when you are sitting there thinking and processing about like, well, do I want, I have seen people at the end of this be like, oh, I don't want three kids. My parents want me to have three kids, right? And the inner, the thing, the other thing that's so important, I think, and this is where I think masterminds are sometimes not great, is people think that like, oh, if we just get to a solution and I give you an answer, then we have solved it. And we need space to understand who we are, what we want, and access our own dang voices, our yes. own thoughts, our own minds. But the 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 interesting twist is that we don't have access to that without other people. Why is that?
1: I want to be on my own and independent, Sarah. I,
0: I mean, if coronavirus can teach us anything, it's that we're all freaking connected, right? Like, yes. think about how many people you actually touch base with on a daily, on a, you know, pre- Pre pandemic, like, basis, your hairstylist, you're this, the coffee shop person. Like, we normally see 50 people a day and they, I mean, the real answer is because in in psychology, there's a sense of reflected self. So much of who we are is reflected back to us from other people. Um, But it's inside of us, but it doesn't exist until we're in partnership with each other. And this is why the mommy stuff and the daddy stuff is so important, because our parents were the first people to tell us who we were. And when we felt something when we were two, three, or four, and we're like, oh, I'm hungry. And our parents looked at us, and they accurately reflected to us, oh, are you hungry? Are you tired? We felt seen and understood. But if we had a parent that came to us and said something like, Oh, you must be cold when we were hungry, it caused a lot of confusion, consternation in in who we are. And so, like, accurately being seen is such an important thing. But for some people, and in this case, for gender, for men, they Mm -hmm. don't have as much access to that. Women have been cultured and trained for a long time to feel and say how we feel and talk to other people about it. And men have not had that privilege or experience um, in the same way. A lot of them are Told not to feel, not to cry, not to be angry, not to have all these things, and then don't talk to other people. So, I have worked with both men and women in my masterminds, and it's very interesting to watch who we are as adults and how much of that is tied to culture and also to our early childhood experiences. And I will stop myself there and say, also, I'm not a therapist. So, I do have to recognize when in situations like this, that a mastermind is not therapy, like a coach is not therapy. And there are times when I say, wow, this is a huge puzzle. And this is a problem for therapy, because a trained psychologist will be somebody that can actually go deeper with you on this.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I love this. And I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole here, but the, your comment about the, the sense of reflected self and like being in community where people can reflect back to you, um, being seen, being heard, being understood. Um, one of the things for me that I've been thinking about a lot in relation to not being able to leave the house or like not going out and, um, just interacting with people on a regular basis is how much more I'm having to get in touch with my own idea of who I am. Because as an Enneagram three, I am always constantly hyper aware of what other people, how I am perceived by other people and what I can do to be perceived as more successful, more with it, more better in all the ways. (laughs) And so just like, just as a, for instance, I swear I'm not going to go on on a, a long tangent with this, do but, it. Um, specifically, I dress for other people, right? Like I think about what I wear, Uh, and there are there are things that I have found myself not wearing over the last few weeks because, like, that's something that I want to save for when I'm going out. Like that's just the that's that that's the the cycle, thinking cycle that I get into. And I'm like, wait a second, there is no going out. I can wear this every damn day if I want to, because the, the thing is, it's the if I want to that matters. And so what do I want? Do I want to wear this outfit today? Do I not want to wear this outfit today? What the hell is going on? Um, but Um Does it think, trip you up? Do you go, oh, yeah. I don't know what I want? That's exactly what happens is I don't know what I want. And this is this right now is a huge opportunity for me to decide what do I want to wear? What do I want to eat? What do I want to drink? How do I want to work out? And have those things only matter to
0: me. It's crazy. I know crazy. it's wild. You're just like, but I, what do I, and then, and then you go two weeks into it, you're like, okay, this is way too narcissistic. Like, <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, you do. You're like, I don't know. Um yeah. oh my, that's so funny. I really want to wear my nicer clothes, but with an 18 uh-huh. month old at home, yeah. like it's like throwing them straight into the trash. Like totally. it only it takes like three squeezes of a pouch. And I'm like, well, there's tomato all over that nice top. So I am I like will put them on. I will come into the bedroom, put them on, I close the door and like wear my nice stuff, and then I'll go back out and like just take it off. And I just walk around in bra and like <laughs> my yoga <laughs> pants because I just
1: uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So, where were we? I forgot. Back to mastermind. <laughs> You'll hear more about the business side of facilitating masterminds after the break. But first, a word from our WhatWorks partners. Let's talk about money. The way we earn, invest, spend, and save money is changing. We're learning to question everything we've been taught about how money works, and we're paying close attention to the stories we tell ourselves about money and the assumptions we've made. That's why the next What Works Conference is an online gathering about money and the new economy. On June 10th, 11th, and 12th, we're bringing together a global community of small business owners to go deep on our relationship to money in an uncertain economy. Money and the New Economy is a live and interactive experience with an opportunity to learn, discuss, reflect, and challenge yourself. We kick things off on June 10th with a welcome reception so you can prepare for the rest of the experience and get. to know others who are participating. Then on Thursday, June 11th, we'll meet together for the full day to talk pricing, money mindset, habits, business finances, and more. And then on Friday, June 12th, we'll come back together one more time to debrief in our closing reception. There are no travel expenses, no jet lag, and hopefully minimal childcare arrangements to be made. To learn more about money and the new economy and grab your ticket to the gathering, go to explorewhatworks.com/money. There are need-based tickets available. Go to explorewhatworks.com/money to get your ticket today. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. People want to connect. But our time, capacity, and bandwidth for yet another video call or Facebook group is extremely limited. People want support. We also want to know we're talking to the people who share our goals and values. People want to learn. And we want to collaborate while we do it. Of course, I know you want these things for your customers too. You want to connect them to each other. You want them to feel supported. And you want them to learn and grow. Mighty Networks makes it easy for you to help your customers do all of these things all in one place. When you start a Mighty Network, you make it easy for your customers to connect to each other, to support each other, and to learn from each other. Of course, your Mighty Network also makes it easy for you to connect with, support, and teach your customers too. Use your Mighty Network as a private social network to help them communicate and collaborate. Use your Mighty Network as a learning management system to help you deliver high quality online courses. Use your Mighty Network as a support hub to help you answer questions and offer insight. And of course, use your Mighty Network as a payment processor so your customers can easily pay you for all of the value you're creating. Get started with a Mighty Network free of charge by going to MightyNetworks.com. Okay. So you started to get into, um, format of your mastermind. And so let's pick back up there. What is, so first off, tell us about the mastermind or masterminds that you offer for sale now, and then walk us through, well,
0: let's start there.
1: Tell us about the masterminds you offer for sale today.
0: Sure. So I run a startup pregnant and I I do masterminds for women entrepreneurs that are navigating parenting and pregnancy. So people that it's usually tends to be women 30 to 45 that are navigating like I want to have kids soon or I'm pregnant or I just had a kid or uh, I'm trying to get back into work and find my new groove. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and those people that want to be in the same space as each other. Um, and we, the first time I did it, we had six people join a small group mastermind for nine months. And then the next group was 18 people, I believe the next year. And then this year is 28. We have 28 people in the group. And every year I've been asking myself, how can I expand this while still, you know, Maintaining the quality and mm-hmm. the uh, environment that I want. And so I've had an eye on creating. I'm, I'm asking myself the question of what does it take to create this intimacy with 100 to 500 people? What does that look mm-hmm. like? And then really trying to push myself of like, what, where is my upper limit and why? Like, what is it that I think breaks? And is there a solution for the thing that breaks? But this year's mastermind is, uh, I run it for nine months. It goes from March until November. I don't run anything over the winter season because, like, most people get a cold, get sick, suffer through the holidays, finish their business year, and then, like, end of January, they've lost their resolution goals. So I don't like to run it through that time. It's also a very, like, product founder fit. I don't like to run it through that time, so I don't want to. So I do. I do most of my sales starting in early December, and then I do some in January. The applications open. Um, we have had about thirty percent of people come back year over year, okay. which is really fun for me to have so many alumni. And honestly speaking, they get more vulnerable each year because they've been through oh, yeah. the program, and they're like, "Oh, I'm just gonna start with the. I'm gonna start with down there. I'm gonna go all the way. Yeah," and uh, this year we broke it into three tiers. So we have the community mastermind, which is thirty four hundred. We have the um, community mastermind and group coaching, which is uh, I believe it was sixty seven fifty this year, six thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. And then we have working one on one with me, which is sixteen k. And those three anchors of the program uh, are. That's the layout. Tell me all the questions you have about that. Oh, um, is it clear? Like, I mean, I can keep going, but
1: yeah. That's very clear. So um, you said part of why you run it for nine months or why you run it over the time that you do is because that's what you want to do. Have you experimented
0: with shorter formats ever? Yeah. 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 So I did three and four months and then I also do weekend masterminds and I was going to add some retreats this year, but coronavirus. So (laughs) we may do a virtual format, but Um, I've done weekend retreats that are, uh, people arrive Friday, we do this like really amazing process over 24 hours, and then we leave Sunday after brunch. Um, And then I've done three and four month masterminds. But those, I think those you need a much more specific question or puzzle. Like it's, you're coming in for more strategy and tactics. Uh, And this longer, this longer mastermind, my goal is that you spend you know three thousand six thousand dollars and you leave feeling like you have more friends than you did when you left college? Ooh, yeah, that's a nice goal. I like like that. lifelong friendships, people that you can be in community with for the rest of your life, people that you can lean on peer to peer. Like I just. I'm and I so love what we're building. And I do we can talk about this, too. I do occupy a little bit of the space where people some people go, I can't whistle. Can I whistle? There we go. They go, woo. that's pricey. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're like, Oh, that's a lot of money. And I get it. I get it. And then I also know the people for whom it's not that expensive. And I know why. And I understand yes. all of it. Um, And, and I have lots to say about this, too, especially like, if you've never been in a mastermind before, you know, it might not make sense to, I would not spend that money in a certain number of cases. And when you get to the point where you are making enough money in your business and you're looking for like, you, you're you like, can I hire a co-founder? Can I hire a COO? Can I like, what should I be? You realize that $3,000 for your business is a very, very small price to pay for 28 people that to like in a brain trust it's like a it's a no-brainer and when you're in those positions and that's one of the reasons price is not just a cost but it's a signal like it maintains the quality of people in the group so that everyone there is asking really high-level questions about the work they're doing and the um parenting and career choices they're making
1: yeah yeah. I I love that you compare it to hiring too because that's actually that's our pricing strategy as well is that um we look at it a little bit differently but it very it does something very similar which is I never want the price of our mastermind to prevent someone from hiring the person that's going to help them do what yes. they want to do with their business um because i come from the world of you know people selling 50 or 100,000 dollar masterminds and people putting them on their credit cards and it just being completely like it's just you know you charge as much as you can possibly charge if you can get away with away with it and i'm not cool with that i do think that they are incredibly valuable and they should be a serious investment and also,
0: they're not the same as hiring someone. No, not yeah. at all. Oh my! I'm so glad you said that. Right? Like, I I actually realized that I thought some of these price points were. What's the right word? Like. I'm really glad that they're a little bit higher because I want to make it a no-brainer for people who can't buy this right now to yes. say no. Like I want you to have the reaction like I cannot spend 3000 right now. I make 50k in my business, that's it. Or like I'm, you know, I've only made 20k on the side. I'm not ready to spend great. That's great. I have written articles and articles and articles and done so many podcasts on how to start your own mastermind, how to facilitate it yourself. I share all of my templates for how to like create a great structure. I come on podcasts like this and tell you about like how to ask questions better. I tell you the books I'm reading because I want you to go build it yourself first. Do it mm-hmm. for five years on your own and then when you're ready or you know that it's the right choice for you, then like I do, go all in, right? But- Don't do not ever let someone tell you that you have to spend $25,000 to make the next move in your business, like unless they're, you know, really, really smart and you really, really trust them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely times when it makes sense, but for most people, most of the time you can get the same results for less money. And you maybe if you have $25,000 to drop, you probably should hire someone or do something <laughs> else with it. I don't know. There's just all sorts of things we can do with money. Um, let's talk about... Well, actually, okay, just so that we have the, the counterpoint before we move on. Um, our setup is remarkably similar to your setup. So... Um, you know our whole business at this point operates on a community based model um and so we have we also have three layers um but we don't have one on one coaching like there's no one on one coaching available for me so i would say that our layers are probably just one step removed from yours in that way so our community only setup is really just community only. And it's a large community, right? It's um, uh, about 700 members. Uh, they pay $500 a year for it or $50 a month. Um, and so that's the base level. I don't really think of it as a mastermind, but there's a lot of the same kinds of things going on in that community. And really our, the way we structure things and the way are, are the the culture and the policies of it are all based on the things that I've learned facilitating masterminds as well. Yeah. So it is very, very similar. And we say the value proposition is basically the same across the board. Um. Then our middle group is called the forum. And uh, that group is a year long. Um, we used to operate in smaller, I've experimented with all sorts of smaller uh, timeframes as well. And I went all in on a year this year with this level, this layer. And I am so glad that I did. It brought out the absolute best people for the best converse. It's just incredible. I love showing up to these sessions and I love the way... I love the way they show up for each other. <laughs> and and I I really do think not not to say anything there's nothing bad about the way we've done t- shorter time frames or the people that showed up for those, but there is just something really special I think about committing to something for 9 months or a year. Um and then we also have a group called Venture that uh is our higher end mastermind. um, And they meet together in very much the same way that the forum does, but we have retreats with that one, which is awesome right now. this was the year that we were going all in on events too oh, That's working yeah. out really <laughs> good um so we've been running a retreat uh, with this type of small business owner um so they typically are doing uh two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand a year but there's people in there as well who are seven hundred and fifty to a million plus as well so it's a it's definitely a very um mature sophisticated uh business owner who not just is not just- a, mature and sophisticated, because the forum members really are as well. It's just that they've they've gotten their business model to the point where it's generating that much revenue. And then they have the challenges and questions of someone who's generating that much revenue. Um, Anyhow, so that's uh, a year long as well. And we've got two retreats, uh, one in the spring and one in the fall. Uh, The spring one we had to do virtually, the fall one, fingers crossed, it looks like we might be able to pull that one off. um, And then we're going to try and reschedule the spring one as well. But um, that's, can you go that's the free group we have. Can yeah. you
0: share how many people are, what's the price of the forum?
1: The price of the forum, Um, well, I'm totally drawing a blank on what the actual final price was. It's $300 a month and there was a $1,500 down payment. Okay. And this is and... the first year that we've offered it. So that was kind of like an introductory price level. It may stay there. Um, I have a feeling it'll probably go up a little bit next year.
0: So that so it's about four and a half thousand dollars ish all done. Yes. Yeah.
1: Wait, wait, wait. I messed up the down payment. Okay. It was a five hundred down dollar down payment okay. and it's three hundred dollars a month. Venture is was a fifteen hundred dollar down payment and six hundred dollars a month.
0: Okay. What is that? that so was that about, makes about six and a half thousand dollars. No, it was eighty five hundred
1: dollars. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Or ish yep. 80, 85. Okay, ish. so you've
0: got something around four thousand, something around eighty five, depending on how the payment plans. I'm sure, um, yeah. and and then the f- community is five hundred. Correct.
1: Yeah. Okay. So very similar to your price points. I'm fascinated how close those. I mean, they're not. They're not. It's, right yeah. together, but they're very similar.
0: Yes. So this is so interesting too um because there's so many different ways you can do the pricing and what you can mm-hmm. offer. Um and the one-on-one the the high level one-on-one work that I do. So I'm still getting in there and doing one-on-one sessions with people and my background's in marketing and communications and and I'm like I just help somebody write a press release and so I think about it I'm like, yeah, you would hire a PR person for more than 16k for the year. So oh, yeah. I Right. Like, like I know that it gives me confidence, too, because I, I never want to be in the place of overcharging, but I don't want to be in the place of undercharging. Yes. And finding that right rhythm. So how many people do you have in venture and how many people do you have in forum? We
1: have um, 11 in venture mm-hmm. and we have uh, 25 across two
0: groups in forum. So tell me about sizing. How do you like? Tell me about the how you've come to the right group of people or what sizes you really like. Yeah.
1: So I really like when there's about eight people on a call. However, so I used to set my groups so that it would be like six to eight people. Six is good too. Six is great. Six to eight on a call is what I really like. So I used to say groups are going to be 6 to 8. Well, here's the thing, that requires everyone to show up. Yeah. 100% <laughs> a sized call. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't happen. So what I've found is that if I push it to 12 even 15, there may be calls where there's a lot more people on and that's fine and I can tell you how we've solved that problem as well. Uh, that not that it's a problem but how we've solved that and made it more intimate, but um yeah, but that's that's where we've landed. So our goal for both for the groups, those two groups this year was to get between, you know, twelve to fifteen per meeting group that we yes. had. So venture is just one meeting group and then forum. We have two groups. So we have them kind of they meet together in a couple of different ways, uh, those two groups on our community site, uh, in our Uh, quarterly planning sessions. And we were going to do day retreats with them this year too, kind of piggybacking on our other ones. Um, So of course, we've done one of those virtually now. So they do meet up together with that. So that means they get the benefit of getting to meet even more people. uh, But they still have the small group setting for their actual mastermind sessions. Um, But yeah, so that was that was how we wanted to play it.
0: Oh, I love this. Oh, so samepage.com. Like I think there's a magic in like the size 10 to 12. Whenever mm-hmm. I do in-person retreats, that's the number I usually go for. Um, but then on a call with people, like if you're starting your own virtual mastermind after listening to us, I wouldn't do more than six to eight people in the room at one time because yeah. you need enough talking time for yourself. You can't just listen to everyone else. You also need t- your time in the hot seat and everyone needs enough time. Um, but same, we have 20 28 people in our mastermind and we have um, a group call every month and there's always 16 to 18 people that show up. And it's not it's not that people buy a mastermind and don't show up. It's that our people have businesses, partners, households, babies, pregnancies. And I actually instruct people in this mastermind that they do not have to show up for everything. Like you listen in to what you need when and you show up when you need it. And then listen to the recording. But also, like, I'm trying to undo that type A inside of all of us that says you have to listen to every single piece of every single call in order to get what you came for. You can get what you came for in one hour. Like, if you come and you realize and you figure out that you actually want to spend this year like trying to have a third child and you have knowing about yourself and you you get like that might be it that might be the thing that changes your year for you and could be the best mastermind experience you've ever had and you didn't have to do 47 hours of calls (laughs) you know exactly
1: and totally (laughs) worth the money right like when you get that one result that you needed three thousand dollars for you know a business owner who is is In the business of investing in themselves and their business, $3,000 is a no-brainer.
0: So, yeah. Oh,
1: love that. Love, love, love that. Uh, Can we talk about how you actually
0: format your calls? I was just going to say, can I tell you how I structure it? So, Yes, please. And I'll (laughs) tell you how I
1: structure mine.
0: That'd be great. Um, So... Uh, one of the reasons it's nine months long is because we spent month one on introductions and then month two on interviews. And mm-hmm. all I want to do is set the foundation for getting to know people, right? Like we can't have good connection and we can't really help each other until we know who we are. Right. And who the other one is. And especially with a group of, you know, 28 people, it, it can start to feel a little overwhelming and you'll go into the Slack room and think, I don't know anyone. I'm, I'm too scared. I'm t- I don't want to be vulnerable. So, uh, We do this whole introduction series during the first month. And then in the interview series, which we're just getting into because it's April. So we started in March. This is April. Um, I have them in small groups of three interview each other. Okay. And I give them instructions for how to ask questions. I give them my best interviewing tips. And we do them right now. I was going to do this as an experiment anyways. But coronavirus, you know, you can now we all have to do this. We're doing the interviews on Voxer. Oh, nice. Yeah. No scheduling because trying to get two working parents who are home with children on one call is too hard, right? Uh, but we do them all during in, on Voxer and then I stitch them together and produce these interviews and then everyone gets to listen to a private podcast of all of these women. It's Whoa. amazing. It is so good because you'll listen to someone tell you like their life story for an hour and you know how you feel after a podcast when you listen to someone you're like, I really want to talk to them now? Yeah. So that's the feeling we create in our community is now, you know, all these people and their stories. So then the actual formatting and structure, there's the theme, the overarching theme of getting to know people for the first two or three months. But then each month is the same first week, we have a group call, everyone. So all group call. Second week, we have small groups and uh, small group coaching and one on ones. So if you are in the community mastermind level, I assign you to a group of six to eight people and you have your own self initiated, self run call. There's no oh. one else there, but you, and you can opt in or opt out. Some people don't want that, some people want that. And so I put you into a small group. You have your own Slack channel for your small group and you get to know six people a little bit better. So that's week two. Week three is our guest teacher. So we have nine guest teachers throughout the course of the year. They're divided into three are on parenting, three are on life, three are on business. And we cycle through. And so we just had a mindset teacher last week. And she came in and talked to us all about like how to deal with our mindset during a thing like coronavirus. Like, what do we do? How can we, how can we even make sense of this madness? And then week four is book club.
1: And how do you structure – so the small group calls that you are facilitating, mm-hmm. how do you – what's the structure of those calls?
0: Yeah. So I – this year I hired two coaches. And okay. I'm not actually running any of the small groups, which was a, like a huge scaling win for me this year. Yeah. And uh, I, do a, I do a small group with my one-on-ones. So, the people who are in the third tier of the mastermind, they will meet with me. But anyone who picked the small group, they're working with either Carrie or Michelle. They're amazing, by the way. Like, I want to be coached by them. Michelle <laughs> is, listen, just listen to Michelle is a decision making engineer who studied decision engineering from Stanford, got her MBA from Berkeley, uh, was a coach with Seth Godin, and is now working on her own podcast and book about decision engineering and how to make better decisions. Yeah, she's amazing. Like, I, like I'm lucky to be in a mastermind with her. And then Carrie, uh Carrie Fortin runs New Minimalism and focuses on minimalism and motherhood and how to find like like the ability to declutter while you have children, but also the philosophy around like they're both just so appealing, right? Yeah, <laughs> So you just want to be coached by both of them. Anyways, so they run the calls, there's three women in their group coaching calls, each person gets about 20 to 25 minutes in their hot seat. Um, the calls run for 90 minutes. And uh, they meet every they have the option of meeting again during the fourth week if they want to, but most mm-hmm. of the time they don't need to because they're already having like more than one thing a week is sometimes too much to add to a calendar.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then how many one-on-ones do your one-on-one people get with you in the nine
0: months? The one a month. So one we'll do a, okay. one a month. Yeah. So that's um, I'll do I'll do the one-on-ones during the second week, and then I do a small group with the one-on-ones during the fourth week.
1: Got it. That makes a ton of sense. I love that. I love this. Um, okay,
0: cool. So um, ours, we
1: we do a few different things. Um, we also spend the first month kind of focused on introductions and just getting to know you because it's the same thing that you said. It's like you want... I think as a facilitator, you're like, let's, I just want you all to meet and I want you to, to, to start talking about your stuff and I want you to start experiencing this. But like, there's a lot of groundwork you got to do in terms of helping people get to know each other and develop that sense of trust and confidence with the people that they're going to be meeting with, because we're going to be hitting some hard stuff um, at some point with everybody. Um, So that's, that's also our, our focus. So we meet, all of our groups meet twice a month. The first meeting is uh, an all-group call where typically about three people end up in the hot seat over a 90-minute call. Uh, We always start off with wins and then we get into hot seats from there. I also, uh, this year, started doing, again, it was something I did many years ago, but uh, by request from one of our group members, I started doing just sort of like a grounding meditation at the beginning of all of our sessions as well. And what I really realized is how much... Junk we bring into these sessions and how much our awareness is scattered. And if I can get them, like, get them on the call, get them start talking, do the wins, and then literally ask them to shut everything down, close your inbox, close out a Slack. Any project you were working on ahead of time, just shut it down because if it's on your desktop somewhere, it is cluttering your awareness right now and I need you to be present in this group right now. Then we do some breathing and some visualization and just kind of body stuff. So yeah, and then we get into hot seats. That's the first call of every month. The second call of every month, um, we focus on what's working in people's businesses. Uh, It's wonderful to have a brand name that is what works because we can use it in all sorts of different (laughs) ways. Um,
0: So
1: yeah, whether it's one person sharing, uh, you know, here's here's the promotion that I just did. Here's how it worked. Here's how I did it. Here's what the results were. And then sometimes it's a little bit more just like, Hey guys, what's working for you right now? Like let's, especially right now where things are feeling heavy all of the time, like let's just lighten it up. What's something that's, that's working really well for you. Um, and we do that for about the first 20 minutes or so. And then I break them into, I use the breakout room function on zoom. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, so we do so much uh, culture building up front, uh, you know, between people already being typically members of our community from the get-go. Um or before they join the mastermind, uh, to the way we conduct calls, the, the way we communicate the ground rules that we set on a regular basis, that I know most of the time, not all the time, and those are conversations that have to be had, but uh, most of the time when I break them into groups of three, they're taking our community and our mastermind culture with them into those groups, and they are perfectly happy to work within that culture, work within that framework, um, and connect with each other through, through that lens. And it's wonderful. And they come back at the end. We do a quick debrief um, and everybody's thrilled. Everybody's got takeaways. Sometimes they just have sort of a general conversation uh, for the 45 minutes that they're together. Other times they take turns in the hot seat. But the idea is that regardless of how we spend that first call of the month, Everyone in the second call has the opportunity to be in the hot seat if they want to. Um, And so that allows us to just make sure that everyone has the time that they need. Um, And it also means that they're getting to know different people more closely month after month after month. Um, The other thing... So there's there's a couple of other things that we do throughout the year as well. But the other thing that's been a real game changer for us this year, which is so simple, is asking people to post a monthly review. So at the beginning of the month, we ask people to look back at the last year and we have a series of questions that we ask them. Uh, things like, uh, what were your goals for this last month or what were your priorities for this last month? Uh, you know, what did you drop the ball on? What were you successful on? What unexpected challenges cropped up? What are you committed to next month? Um, and how can? Uh, what kind of support do you want from the group? And it has been such a great way of keeping track of where people are at, showing them their own growth, like letting them recognize how much they're uh, digging in this year because they're part of this group, um, and just again, it's a great way to get to know people. Like you see, oh, that's the goal I'm working on too. Can we set up a coffee chat? Or like, or that's the challenge that I also had. Or like this month, it was like, what funny gifts can we put to represent this hellhole that we're in right now? <laughs> unexpected challenge. Yes, <laughs> a complete <laughs> shutdown was an unexpected challenge. Anyhow, so that's that's how we format uh, our our stuff.
0: Oh, I love this so much. We also have a monthly template that people are allowed to use. Oh, nice. I love it. Um, And I will say, so when I was running masterminds for business folks, I used to have people push option and then the hamburger stack on their Mac because it shuts mm-hmm. off all notifications. Most people don't know oh. this. Oh, I don't know. If no, you know I mean, that... I
1: know how to go into do not disturb mode. Yeah. But I so didn't you... know there was a keystroke for oh, it. Oh, there's a
0: key. So I make everyone do it. And they're all like, whoa, right? And I'm like, okay, we're going to be here. We're going to be present. Um, And when I do my in-person retreats, we have this uh, uh visualization that we use where I say, okay, all the stuff that you don't want here, we're going to put it into a suitcase. We're going to put it by the front door. Mm. I will remind you at the end to make sure you take your suitcase with you. Unless you want to leave your problems here, you can. But like you don't – like." Take whatever you don't want here this weekend and put it there. So, we do this visualization, very similar to what you're talking yeah. about. However, I want to add a twist to this because um, I like the other thing that's really important is know your audience, right? Mm-hmm. And I work with parents, moms who have little tiny newborns and two year olds, right? You, you remember what this was like. Oh, I remember. So, now, and then coronavirus hit. So now on my calls, I start every call by saying, you don't have to be here the whole time. If you fall asleep while I'm talking, you probably needed a nap. Go take the nap. Like, Do not do not try to show up and perform for me. That's not what this is about. Um, if you need to turn your video off and ugly cry, ugly cry. And if you need to go pee, if you need to feed a baby, if you have to do the dishes, if you have to take yourself on a walk, I want you to do everything you need to be human right now because mm-hmm. we are all on way too many Zoom calls. And so I have been actually leading my Zoom calls from my Peloton bike and I'll just be strolling on the bike because and I've I also will teach yoga while I'm doing it so I'll say all right everyone let's like stretch to the side and stretch because so many people are just so like they don't have the 90 minutes to be on the call and be present Mm -hmm. right now because they're home with all their children and I'm like if you can even join for a minute come get what you need and just the only thing I ask is that you try you try to say goodbye Mm -hmm. in the chat room when you leave just try to let oh, us know I'm you're leaving that. but if you need to slam the thing shut because somebody pooped on you like do that <laughs> I love this.
1: Okay, so I had a conversation last week um, for a kind of a live um, video session, series of sessions that we've been doing with Valerie Black, and she was talking about increasing psychological safety for our clients and teams. Yeah, um, and which is important all the time, but it's very important right now, um, and it's something that I have really been focused on with the mastermind groups that we have this year. Is what are the ways that I can short circuit? I call them emotional failure points. Like, how can I I anticipate the emotional failure points that people have? Like, when they're going to feel like they got to shut down and they can't show up here? How can I anticipate when something is going to feel like too much for somebody? Like, how can we get to that edge but not beyond it? Um, and just really trying to be hyper aware of these things so that we can create a space where people are comfortable saying, I effed up. I, um, I you know this didn't work out, and I need money now, or like whatever the case might be. What are those things that I can do to make people feel comfortable with that? So I love, 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 love that you're doing the same thing, and I love all the other. I love the examples that you've articulated here. So brilliant! If if people take nothing away from this conversation, but just like acknowledging real world situations in their calls with their mastermind groups or coaching clients or whatever, I think that's a huge takeaway. Are there any other ways that that you are actively kind of increasing psychological safety for your folks?
0: I love this question. Yes. I'll tell you two right off the bat that I think are important. Um, the first one is that Uh, container structure, routine and guidance are so kind. And a lot of people don't realize how much of the work of a facilitator is to create a strong container and to tell people what to do. And women in particular are gendered to be afraid of telling people what to do. So it's a little bit harder. But think about if you went to a yoga class and the teacher was like, "Um, what do you want to do? Oh my God. <laughs> like I can't stand it. Right. Like it just feels so you want the yoga teacher to be like, come sit down on your mat, inhale, take a deep breath, exhale, lift your leg. Right. But when we go out to lunch with our friends, which is not currently happening, but in an imaginary world where we went out to lunch with our friends, if I looked at you and I said, Tara, pick up your fork, take your salad, put it in your mouth. <laughs> You you think I'm batshit crazy? You'd be like, that's so weird. I we might talk- appreciate <laughs> it, honestly. <laughs> You're chicken. <laughs> um, but so this this commanding, authoritative, container holding structure, like uh, uh, people who are new at leadership, don't realize that it's actually a tremendous kindness to be told what to do. And even for people who are at the top of their game and who are CEOs, they are making more decisions, more complex decisions, not fewer. And so, I mean, some of you might be noticing this right now, you get home and your partner's like, what do you want to eat? And you're like, I don't care. Like, just tell me what's for dinner. (laughs) You know, we just want to be told what to do, especially right now. Um, So a micro example of this is when you see somebody posting on Facebook and saying like, what would be really useful that I could do for you right now? I don't want to think, I don't want you to ask me that. I want you to do the work of coming up with it and figuring it out. Right. Um, That puts a lot of the psychological burden on me, not only to know myself, but also then to process it and tell you, a business owner, what to do to help me. And that is, frankly, I don't think that's fair. Right. You can be wrong as a business owner. You can say, I made a whole bunch of like productivity meditations and I can say, nope, not for me. But like, remember that people like to be told what to do. Um, And then the other thing inside of the mastermind that we do is... uh, I, I call it the receiver. I say, tell people Mm. to notice whether or not somebody's receiver is on or if it's full, (gasps) you know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Right. I know exactly
1: what you mean. I'm thinking of a mastermind session just last week where I could see someone's receiver turn off and it was unfortunately in the middle of me talking. (laughs) You, but oh, you can see it. But I could totally see it. And I've been, I've been kind of whirling it around in my head like she was super into things, very excited about what we were talking about, very engaged. And then it shifted, and it was exactly what you said. Their receiver was full. Yep. And and that's fine. And it doesn't take away from initially it doesn't take away from the experience. It doesn't mean the experience was bad, but if you keep trying to stuff stuff in there,
0: everything will bad time. yeah yeah yes, yes. yeah so we have to pay attention because you know like people listening you know this right somebody's telling you a whole bunch of things they're telling you a recipe right and then you're like well oh, i forgot like what's after the curry spice i don't know right you just there's only so much information that you can retain it's often far less than we think we can retain a lot of information it just needs to be dripped out slowly and so when you're in space with somebody and you're asking them questions, it doesn't, it doesn't matter even if they are talking and they just get full. You can say, oh, they're full. Their receiver yeah. is full. That is such, such, such helpful language. And
1: I really appreciate you talking about container structure routine um, as being so important. Uh, we talked already about the art of gathering and that didn't I, I had started to understand that structure was more important right before I read that book. But then when she started talking about being a chill host, so the book is by a woman named Priya Parker, who is absolutely amazing and has a brand new podcast uh, yeah. being produced by the New York Times right now that everyone who hosts anything should listen to. <laughs> um, <laughs> stop listening now. Don't stop listening now. Called, listen after this episode is over.
0: Together Apart, I think. Is, yes. Yes. Okay. But, yeah. But- but yeah, so one of the chapters yeah.
1: is about being a chill host. And this was me exactly, which is that I knew the power of masterminds. I knew the power of group coaching was in the kind of spontaneous stuff that happens when you don't expect it, right? But... I didn't realize that spontaneity is created through structure. And so I would sit back and just trust that, like, well, I brought these amazing people together. They know they're amazing. They Or they know each other is amazing. They know what they want to talk about. It will happen. And it did. Like, I can't... It's not that... I'm not fault... Like, I'm not fault... I'm not getting down on myself about this, right? Like, we still even with that created amazing results with people, but you overlay structure in that you tell people what to do and you create routine and you create a container. And Oh my God, it's so much easier. Like why put yourself through the stress (laughs) of waiting for spontaneity to happen? Let alone the stress that you're putting your clients through when they're waiting for spontaneity to happen. So actually I pulled up our strategic priorities for this year. Our number one, 2020 strategic priority is create a culture of contribution by leveraging structure, clear expectations, and our own sharing. So in other words, role modeling. Um, Yeah. And so that's really, that is our number one focus as a business this year is understanding and leveraging structure, understanding and leveraging what expectations need to be set and role modeling how we want people to behave in the way that we behave as leaders.
0: This is so essential and I think I think this is the part where the design of communities and the design of masterminds is it's invisible to the people who are part of it mm-hmm. but when we are part of a group there there is a code, there are cultures, there are expected behaviors. I learned about this. So I studied environmental psychology in um, undergrad. And I learned about this because there's usually like a typical range of behaviors that you can expect to see in any given context. So like you go to a drugstore, you will probably see a child screaming, you will probably see yeah. people engaged in purchasing behaviors, you will probably see um, impulse behaviors at the candy checkout aisle, right? Like you'll see, you probably won't see someone playing the piano, you won't see someone Someone swimming, right? There's just the context that we're in is so important. And it is our job as facilitators and creators of communities of groups of people to consider that and to help like cr- massage and create that structure until you get the desired result. And you know, taking a generous stance, this means like the reason I started masterminds and retreats for free when I did is so many times is because I was experimenting with it and I was trying to figure out like, what works, what doesn't work. And if something doesn't work, and you say, well, I really wish that conversation or that dinner party or that Zoom call could have gone better why do I think that it didn't work? Like what, Mm. like what didn't work about it? What, like, where did it go wrong? You know, these are all these really smart people, but it seems like our egos are all getting in the way. Like how, like, why can't we be vulnerable here? We can just start to examine and question thoughtfully why something isn't working because that will help us make better and more informed choices about how to make things in the future that work better and better. Yes.
1: Yes a freaking men okay i am keenly aware of the time and (laughs) (laughs) we can clearly talk about this if not all day or if uh, if all day if not many days in a row um we need a mastermind about masterminds
0: i was gonna say that i was like you and i should get on a mastermind to master about mass like just totally geek out about this because i love geeking out about this as you can tell
1: same, same, same. There is one really, really important question, though, that I I feel it's really important. And so I want to ask you about it and kind of judge how important you feel it is, too, which is, who do you think is the right fit for a mastermind? If not your mastermind in particular, just kind of thinking through, like, who really benefits from these kinds of peer-to-peer learning, peer-to-peer support experiences like this?
0: I mean, I, like... I think I was thinking about I'll, – I'll, I'll talk about coronavirus because I think it's it's relevant. But I was thinking about I'm feeling some malaise. I'm feeling some boredom. Mm-hmm. Like I'm feeling a little bit like less interested in my exercising, in my eating, in my uh, – interactions with the people in my household. And I was wondering why, like, I was wondering what's going on. And I said, Oh yes, right. Like we're going to have a crisis of probably depression coming along for all of us, depression, lethargy, apathy. Um, Because I think one of the most interesting and joyful parts of being a human is our connections to other people. And so like a mastermind group, if it combines, something you like doing, something you want to be doing, something you are already doing with people that are interesting and interested in what you're doing, like I would join 27 of them every year if I could. (laughs) I don't. I I do pick and choose. Yeah. But uh, it's right for you if you want to grow, if you want to learn, if you feel really comfortable spending money or if you want to form one yourself because you don't feel comfortable spending money right now, um, if you have the time, right, if you have the time to be able to commit to it, those are kind of the criteria that I would say. I also, I wrote, and I'll send it to you so you, people can read it if they want, but I wrote like how to do one for Forbes. Mm-hmm. So I have oh, like great. all the steps. Yeah. It's like decide on a time frame, decide on an end date, decide on the people, decide on the topic, decide on the technology, decide on the frequency, right? Those are my nuts and bolts for how to do, how to do it. Um, but I'll send you that because if you want to make one, don't let money stop you. And then also, uh, for me, I did the quick math where I was like, okay, if I spend two hours a week like organizing a community and I, you know, let's say I'm billing fifty dollars an hour, well, that's five thousand a year. Oh, oh. Okay, $100 a week is 5000 Oh, I would rather, like I'd rather someone else organize this for me. I don't mm-hmm. want to put that time in to do the work. There, there comes a point when it's more effective to pay someone else to do it because of the caliber of people, the topic, and you don't have to work as hard to make it because facilitating things is hard. Like It takes a lot more work than it looks like. It is not sending a calendar invitation. <laughs> There's a lot more to it than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's not just a logistical exercise right yeah. it is yeah. a it is a deep thinking really hard it's, i don't want to scare anyone away from doing it either because i think facilitation is like this amazingly wonderful transferable Connective skill that you can learn how to do um because that's the other thing is I think while people may be talented in it, it is absolutely a skill and you learn how to do it by learning about it and practicing it and doing it and and analyzing as you were saying before and getting better at it. Yeah. Um, but yes, there is a lot of work, a
0: lot of work that goes into it. It's almost why you should do one. like do one on your mm. own. see what it's like for a year because I think that's what tipped me over to. I'm pretty like, I will spend money, but I spend it really strategically. And Mm -hmm. I tend to be a little more conservative in spending. Um, I'll make a two or $3,000 purchase a couple times a year, right? I just but I it's harder for me to spend more than that right now, which is something I could probably bring to my mastermind. (laughs) You know, but once you lead one and you see what it's like and you're like, oh, this is taking a tremendous amount of time and energy from me, I now it becomes a no-brainer. You like see what you would trade for that and when it would be useful for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. The other thing um, that I don't think you mentioned that I want to p- kind of put a plug if- in for is that masterminds are active learning. You only get out of it what you put into it, um, which... Like, to your point, it it doesn't necessarily mean you have to put hours into it to get something incredible out of it. it. I think it is um very much an energetic transaction most of the time. And it doesn't things don't have to be like I, now that I'm saying you you get in you get out of it what you put into it. Like that makes it sound very equal. But I do think like presence, energy, attentiveness, willingness to be vulnerable, like even, Those things actually create exponential results. And you have to have the awareness and the capacity and the ability to do those things to get something out of a mastermind. If you are at a place where you really want someone to tell you what to do or someone to tell you how to do something, and there are lots of very, there are lots of things where that's a great way to learn, right? Like, Facebook ads, for instance, are maybe not a mastermind topic, at least at the beginning. You need to learn the steps. You need to know what goes into it. And so a passive learning environment where you're working through um, a a blueprint, a checklist, a set of instructions is perfect for that. But when you get into the things that have nuance, when you get into complex topics, when you get into the things like sourcing your own... um, Your own knowledge, tapping into your own agency—that's when a mastermind is going to be really powerful. But it's a very active experience. It's going to require
0: something of you. Does that make sense? I yes. I want. I want to go back and replace my answer with your answer because because I'm like, yep, yep. It's so true, and I think so this it it there might be a point in your career when you realize that there aren't external answers to the questions you're asking yes like, when when there's a course you can take or there's a book you can read like and I think that's why it's so frustrating sometimes when you ask someone for advice and they're like, just read this book, right like learning is different than internal knowing and internal growth. And I think I think one of the things that masterminds help teach is here's the container, here's the structure for you to get to know yourself better, for you to have a container to examine your own decision making, for you to see yourself think out loud and to ask really hard questions with other people. Like, I think what you said is brilliant. Yes, I totally agree.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Um, how often? Okay, wait, no. Where do I want to end this? I'm like, there's so many more things I want to talk about. I'll just ask you the question that I ask yes, everybody as I sure. start wrapping up, which is, what are you excited about
0: right now? Mm, that's a that's a hard question right now. Um, right? Like, I am excited about the fact that we went outside for the first time in 40 days. We hadn't taken our children outside. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, we live in a teeny tiny apartment in New York City and New York City's, you know, getting hit, getting smacked with coronavirus. Um, And I have asthma. I have exercise induced asthma. Mm. And then I have children that don't know how not to lick things. So, so all of those things, we just, we started keeping them inside. And I told my husband, like, let's just collect more data. Like, we just don't know. Let's just wait like a couple weeks. and then. And then my children weren't asking to go outside, and we were doing fine. And I was like, oh, maybe they feel like this is a long weekend. So we just kind of kept extending it. And the the New York Times just published a thing about how asthma is no longer a comorbidity factor for coronavirus. Oh, that's good to know. Which is really good to know. And so we were like, okay. And also, finally, people are wearing masks. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: we're like, all right, we're going to go outside. And so we went outside this morning at 7 a.m. with the kids. And they were like, this is cold. This is – what is this? Like (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> Remember outside? That was weird. <laughs> guys, guys, spring is coming. It's coming. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. I, that's awesome. I love when people have answers like, well, maybe not like that one
0: in particular, <laughs> but just random things that are exciting you. I, that makes right. me so happy. I don't have the bandwidth to think like I'm just starting to get my strategic thinking back online. Okay. You know, we've been inside for four weeks. This, this huge thing is happening. I am like, just the gears are turning. But a lot of this was back to square one of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's just like, are we sleeping? Are we eating? Okay, how do we exercise? Is that something? How do we talk to other humans? Okay, right. Um, I'm also really excited. I hope it's okay to share this on this one on this podcast, but I started a second podcast. Yes, please (laughs) tell us about it. Uh, I, I just go to the corner of my bedroom sometimes when my children are like, occupied and or sleeping and I started a podcast called let's talk and it's just I've been chronicling living inside this crazy apartment and then I also just get to talk to people that I want to talk to so that's it that's that's the podcast and it is so fun it would be like this right like although probably not as long as this one because I'm usually hiding from children right
1: Just so you're not doing like in the bathroom while you're going to the bathroom.
0: Oh, good lord. <laughs> no, know a lot of people want to come in. in there. Oh, no. <laughs> like, they like literally the other day, i we have a squatty potty, and my 18 oh, wow. month old came in and sat on it next to me. Like, he was like, I'm going to sit while you sit. And I was like, Really, dude? Like, I really, I just need to poop by myself for one minute. <laughs>
1: And that is life right now.
0: Just that, that in life. a nutshell.
1: Awesome. Sarah Peck, thank you so much for geeking out with me about masterminds and all, not, yeah, everything masterminding and peer-to-peer support. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, I love, you know, I love talking about this. Thanks for having me as a guest. Um, and if if anyone has more questions, I've written about masterminds both on SarahKPeck.com and StartupPregnant.com. I write extensively about these things. So you're welcome to go. Um, and beg, borrow, steal, use, adapt, modify all the things that we've talked about here.
1: Fantastic. Well, we will be sure to link up to some of that goodness. But yeah, just check out Sarah's site's... Um in in total cuz there's really good stuff there all over the place. Find out more about Sarah Peck at sarrakepck.com and learn more about Startup Pregnant at startuppregnant.com. Plus you can find Sarah's podcast Startup Pregnant and Let's Talk wherever you listen to what works. Now, like Sarah said, you can get started with a mastermind group without investing money in one. You will need to invest your time and energy, but I think you'll find it's well worth it. Consider what you want to experience with your mastermind group, how you're looking to grow and what you want to tap into in yourself. And then think about the people who might be able to help you do just that. Reach out to the people who have the qualities you're looking to stretch into. Talk to the people who ask tough questions and talk to the people who won't let you settle on yourself. Then find a time and place to meet regularly and get to it. Find a link to Sarah's article, nine things to know before you start your own mastermind group in the show notes. Next week, you'll hear about high-functioning anxiety from Nancy Jane Smith. Nancy has been instrumental in helping me understand my own relationship to anxiety and how to cope with it. And yes, Nancy is going to talk about techniques for coping with HFA, but she's also going to share her own experience getting support with anxiety as an entrepreneur. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt and our production coordinator is Kristen Runvick. Find over 270 more episodes of What Works and sign up for our free weekly newsletter full of ideas, inspiration, and reflections on building a business that works better at explorewhatworks.com.